Hey everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we got John. Since the last time we talked, it's uh, it's actually been a pretty good week for the Kings. They have extended their winning streak to four games. DeMontis Sabonis was named Player of the Week, uh, averaging a triple-double while extending his double-double streak to 20. And uh, De'Aaron Fox was named the clutchest player in the NBA on the NBA's first clutch player ladder ranking. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of good Kings news right now. John, how are we feeling over there? Well, you couldn't have really had a better week. 0 and three since the last time we talked. 0 and four on the week, or not 0 and four? <laughs> opposite. Three? That would be uh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, the opposite of those. Uh, absolutely terrific, really. Um, and they really flipped it around because it seemed like. They were the ship was taken on water there for a second in terms of their defense, especially as it you know pertains to protecting the paint. But they, you know, against three kind of subpar teams, really looked good on that end of the floor. And then against the Spurs on the road, which was also another subpar team, they looked great for the second half of the game defensively. They looked good for the second half defensively. That was definitely kind of a bit of a step back defensively. But the offense just uh is kind of unstoppable right now. Number one in the league in terms of scoring and at, what, 120 points a game, which would, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'd look this up, it would be since the three-point line was implemented, it would be a top 10 ever. I think it'd be eighth overall if the season were to end today in terms mm-hmm. of scoring. And it yeah. seems like, it just seems like the Kings, you know, they had five straight games of, Uh, 130 points or more who knows if they can't you know they might be able to keep that streak going like they might be able to kind of push the ceiling on this points per game thing but this offense is incredible it's one of the best if not the best offenses in the league it doesn't technically top out an offensive rating but in terms of scoring and it's number one you know, field goal percentage it's I think top five and then I think three point percentage is top ten and they move the ball well, and it seems like lately they're not turning the ball over a ton. It's just there's a lot of things that are going right, and kind of alluding to it there a second ago, the three-point shooting's good. Harrison Barnes has been playing really well, which seems to coincide perfectly with this huge surge in team offense. I mean, what do you see with this this offense? What It was already good, but now it seems super I mean, I think you said it a second ago. Harrison Barnes, that dude has been playing out of his mind since the since we changed the calendar. He's, I think, he's in January. He's averaging twenty two a game on fifty seven fifty. I'm trying to think. I just had the stats up. But he's shooting over fifty percent from the field and like fifty five three. That dude cannot miss from deep. It's insane. And so, I mean, everyone else is playing. Pretty normally, you know, maybe Monk's not doing Monk things that we saw him doing earlier in the year. And Herter's, you know, he can be hit or miss. Murray's been fantastic, though, as well. Ever since that slow November he had, that dude's just burying triple after triple, kind of like Barnes is doing in January. So the shooting has been really good. Um, but it's, it, I think it's just Barnes. Fox and Sabonis have been, I mean, Sabonis obviously won player of the week. And Fox is still putting up his numbers, but... I mean, the offense only got so much better because Barnes has just been incredible. And like I said, it's funny. The dude, when he shoots 
behind the arc, I'm like, okay, it's a really high chance that that ball goes in. So I don't know if Barnes can keep this up for the rest of the year, but it's been fun to watch because you don't really expect that out of Barnes, especially for or for like a whole month like this. Uh, I think in the four game winning streak, he's had, I think, three games over 20 points. And Barnes usually sprinkles in 20 here and there, but he even had a 30 piece for a season high. And yeah, there's not much more I can say that he's just been incredible during this this January and during this winning streak. Yeah, he definitely, I mean, it's one of those things where it, the offense is so good and just like you can kind of run down as you were kind of doing there and go through. And it seems like everybody maybe except Malik Monk, who kind of has been up and down over the last month or two. But everybody else seems like they're playing a little bit better. Um, Fox seems like he's really hit a nice groove again. Sabonis has elevated his play to like not just flirting. Like somebody call. I keep waiting for Mark Jones to go. Somebody call this man's wife. He's flirting with a triple double again. (laughs) (laughs) I I keep wanting to write that in one of our game recaps. But then I'm just like, that's too Mark Jonesy. You know, so I just end up scrapping. (laughs) I just feel like that's something he would say. Somebody let her know. I'm so he's flirting he again. Yeah. If you said like he said that, I would totally would have believed you. Really, it's, like yeah, it's, oh, yeah, he probably said that. I missed it. Definitely a Mark Jones saying. Yeah, um, but you know he's elevated his play. He's winning Player of the Week honors. All that. You go down Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, even Kevin Herter before he got sick, um, which is weird to say. That sounds like he we we lost him or something before he got <laughs> sick. <laughs> um, but but you know, before he he went down for two games with an illness, um, his three point percentage over like his previous eleven games was on fire. I don't know what it was exactly, but it was it was pretty incredible. Obviously, not as hot as when he first started the season, but it was back up to sharpshooter levels on top of the other things that he's doing. Also, Davion Mitchell, it seems like is kind of. I wouldn't say like the 19 point performance against the uh, Spurs is something we're going to get on a nightly basis, but I feel like there's a bit of more of a tendency for him to get a little more aggressive. Now he just seems, he seems like he's doing that for more than maybe just his first couple of minutes in the game. And I just think it's like all systems go right now. And even with Kevin Herter hurt, I mean, his first game wasn't terrific as the starter in place of Herter, but Terrence Davis was really good in the second game mm-hmm. and fitting him into the rotation and trying to kind of like patch up the backup, you know, three, I guess you would say the backup to Barnes with kind of like a mix of Akpala and Terrence Davis and other guys and maybe three guard lineups and things like that. It sometimes it doesn't always stick that way, but it's like, man, the depth of this team, when you can just plug him in as a starter and if he has some decent rhythm, he's going to give you a pretty good scoring performance. And it just seems like everything, you just add everything up together. And it's just, it's so great. And also it's like this team's now played together for what, like three months uh, in regulation, like in the regular season, mid-October to mid-January uh, now. And their chemistry is at an all-time high, obviously, and it's only going to get higher. So, man, it just seems like things are coming together and you know, maybe Harrison Barnes doesn't have to shoot 50% from three or whatever. Keegan Murray doesn't have to shoot 50% from three. Although I wouldn't be surprised if the Keegan Murray just is back in that cyborg level 
which is kind of weird. Um, but it just seems like these guys are all capable of something, and they're 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 at a point where they're always finding that that best shot, and they're finding it really quick. And it's just like I said, it's all systems go. Yeah, they've just been super fun to watch. They're I, I, there were um, Fox and Sabonis were on NBA Today, and they were going over one of their actions today. And Fox kind of brought up the shooters and how they just have so many guys to kick to. And it's it's just so true, especially with Murray as a rookie shooting the way he's been shooting. It's like other than that November, I think he I mean, obviously we have Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes has been great, but I don't know. So I really have a lot of trust in Keegan when he shoots that three. And um it just adds to that depth and that shooting. Um, Herder. Monk is kind of hit or miss from three. Monk's kind of funny. He either, he either is just making every shot or I feel like he misses every three. Um, but then Barnes and Murray, um, all the other shooters for Fox and Sabonis to kick out to. And like you're saying, the depth is just, it just it feels so nice to finally have depth on the Kings. And like you said, like Davis is our third shooting guard and you can plug him in as a starter and he can, well, I don't know. I forget what he threw up in that second game, like 19 or something. I think he had 22. Uh, 20, oh, yeah, even better, right? So it's mm-hmm. just like you, he does that off of a guy who's getting minutes here and there, very spotty minutes, and throws up 22 as a starter. Yeah, it's incredible, really. The depth is the depth is great. It seems like Brown really knows his lineups now and uh, matchups-wise as well. So he knows when to plug guys in. Akpala's been – we were talking about Akpala last week. He's just been so good off the bench uh, as of late after not really seeing the floor uh, too much earlier or early on in the season. Trey Lyles has just been incredible off the bench. Um, Trey Lyles is playing like the best bench player right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially with Monk's, uh, you know, Monk's, I don't know. He just hasn't been playing that well as of late. But you would hope to see him get back to the level because he is still a six-man-of-the-year candidate at this Mm -hmm. point. But, um, yeah, I know Lyles, I think he's playing like the best uh, guy off the bench right now too. He's just Mm -hmm. so reliable. He takes good shots. He's always hustling, grabs offensive rebounds. Um. Yeah, the the Kings just really seem to be clicking. Six games above five hundred right now. <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to really get myself psyched up here, but uh, tonight kicks off the second half of the season, and we're in fourth place. Like, unless I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but I mean, unless there's like a major collapse, I we're gonna be breaking this playoff this playoff drought this year, and um, it's just getting a little more real especially with the second half of the season starting and it's getting exciting. But I just, I just don't remember what playoff basketball looked like. You kind of mentioned what Fox had said about the shooting and talking about Trey Lyles, you know, Mike Brown was like saying something about him. I think he kind of recounted what he had said earlier in the season about when we scouted you, you know, we knew that you just pump and drive, but you got to shoot. You're a good shooter. He's a good shooter, but Mike Brown now called him a good scorer. You've been seeing him like have so many good finishes at the rim, yeah, and, like dunks and stuff. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he he contributes so much to both sides of the ball, obviously. But he, offensively, I honestly would not have imagined that for Trey Lyles. Um, kind of what, what we saw from Trey Lyles in his maybe first stint, kind of sticking in the rotation before he got sick and missed a couple of games. And maybe kind of fell out of conditioning a little bit. Um, 
that was kind of what I expected the whole season. But it's just like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks from him is just uh, in, in, incredible. You know, he's doing more than just being a team defender, a rebounder, and a three point shooter. He's 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 added other elements to it. That, that's just incredible. And I think all of that, all of these things, is 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 why Malik Monk not playing well is not such a glaring issue. We talk about how much this guy lifts the second unit, and the second unit's playing very well, though, without him kind of being that guy. So it just is another testament to the depth of this team. And, you know, he's, he's not playing well, and they're able to reach this new ceiling with points per game. It's really it, – it speaks a lot to, to the personnel on this roster. It's yeah. a lot of fun to watch. It really is. And just imagine what the Kings will be doing when Malik Monk gets back on track, right? Um, and hopefully no one else drops off. But maybe that's just how it goes, you know? Someone picks up the slack when someone's slacking. And that's what it seems like Lyles is doing right now. And even Davis and everyone else who's picking up the slack. Well, Monk's, you know, quote unquote, in a, in a minor slump. So this team's deep and they're definitely showing it. And I mean, just one more thing. It's just like Davion Mitchell, too. Because it's like, I don't want to just yeah. let Trey Lyles yeah. run away with it. Yeah. Davion Mitchell is just like, he's been, first of all, on the defensive end, he's been consistent all year. It's just, you can't say that about everybody, about any side of the ball. So it's pretty incredible that he's able to just be so dominant all the time. I mean, Sabonis on the offensive end, I guess, would be the probably the one thing that tops it. But and then you just any amount of offense Davion hits a couple of threes like six seven eight points from Davion it's like wow Davion but 19 like Jesus yeah that was a great game that was awesome to see Davion and it's so funny because Davion as a starter scores like 17 a game so it's kind of like what happened like you lead the bench unit like why aren't you scoring more and i know he's out there with uh i don't know fox and sabonis so maybe the opportunities don't come as much as when he was i mean the majority of his starts were at the end of last year when fox and sabonis were out but you know he has it in him and he has like that he i think he's very quick and he has a good drive and layup and i just sometimes i'm like dude like come on (laughs) like you're good enough like i want you to have confidence in that layup like you can blow by guys um, so I, sometimes I just wish he's a little more aggressive because you know he has it in him. Um, his three point shot though is obviously very inconsistent. I just wish he could. Uh, I just wish he was a little better because I mean, yeah, he was great against San Antonio, and I think he had a couple games this year where he hits multiple threes. But and he, I think he has been better as of late. But he just he does need to be a little more consistent on that three point shot. It's so big for him. Because you're yeah. talking about wanting to see him drive more too. You hit that three, now your yeah. driving opportunities, the canyons are going to become bigger and bigger for you. Yeah. Um, I think if that three starts falling, if he starts seeing that fall some more, if he can have another good game like that, um, maybe it'll just kind of let everything kind of get back or get into a rhythm for him so that he can kind of be a little bit more of a offensive threat. And maybe not every night, but... You see games where, as was the case on Sunday, Malik Monk and Kevin Herter both didn't score very much at all. And for Davion to have 19 points, that's just, that's huge. And so to be able to tap into that is important. And he's got to just be able to turn it on and have that, uh, uh, you know, uh, have that aggression ready to go. 
Um, because he 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 can be one of the more important players on this team if he adds a little bit more of an offensive element, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. He's, he's already the best defender. Yeah. If he can and be a little more productive on the offensive side, I mean, man, he could be starting in a lot of teams, really, I think. I mean, I would make the argument for Davion, like, Monk maybe is the one guy on the bench that's a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Trey Lyles might be playing the best stretch of basketball lately, but the most consistent guy off the bench, the most reliable in terms of what you're going to, you know, you're going to get out of him has been Davion Mitchell in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And maybe that's not fair to say, cause we're talking about his three point shot just coming around. It's like, that's not being consistent, but the baseline of what you get from him is consistent and anything else is just, he starts to become a really, really, really good player. And, I think we all knew that, or we all like to think that that's within Davion. He's just got to, he's got to, he's got to think that too, I think. Um, so he's, he, he's got to just keep tapping into the aggression that is inside him. 100%. You're right. He, he is the most consistent off the bench. And yeah, like we were kind of talking about his three point not being consistent and it's not, but you know, that's just an added bonus if he's hitting those. You know, he he brings defense, and he's done that consistently, game in, game out. And that's really what's expected out of him. He's been doing that so well. So, seeing him play great defense and then drop 19, it was just like, good for you, Davion. Like, you deserve that 19. Glad to see you hit some shots. And we know that's in you. So, I don't know, go out out every game with that confidence. That'd be awesome to see. Yeah. But, you know, we were talking a lot about Harrison Barnes being – uh, a hot commodity right now. He's a hot mama right now. And he played really well again on Sunday. And Mike Brown mentioned him in the postgame presser, obviously. But he made particular note of the fact that he played him 39 minutes. Um, he played uh, a good deal, I guess you would say, against the Spurs. And uh, Coach Brown said it makes him, quote, cringe a little bit because he wishes he didn't have to do that to him and added that we needed it. We needed to get this win on the road. Doesn't the need for a backup wing kind of come to mind, maybe even more prominently than it has. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was just going to say like, why, why does it make you cringe? Why, why is it such a big deal? He's playing 39 minutes a game <laughs> because there's no one behind him. Um, to pick up the slack or to, to give him some minutes of rest. Harrison Barnes has been leading the Kings in minutes over the last several years. Um, and yeah, it, it is funny because around this time each year, he seems to go in a slump because he's getting tired. He's playing heavy minutes. No one's there off the bench to give him good backup small forward minutes. And so, yeah, he usually goes in a slump around this time. So it is kind of funny that he's playing pretty well. I don't know. It, it, it's usually around a couple of weeks before the All-Star break. We are approaching that time. Um, so it is very important. With the trade deadline coming up, I think a backup three is very important to try to obtain. Again, I'm a broken record. I think not keeping Kent Bazemore was a big mistake, especially after seeing Jimmy Maneke, uh, you know, get waived last week. So it would be nice to have someone to give Barnes his uh, rest. Because if he's going to start playing poorly, then the Kings are really going to start hurting. Like I said earlier in the podcast, their their offense has been their offense is already incredible, but it really took that next step because Barnes is really is really hot at the moment. 
that Barnes goes back to kind of how he was at the beginning of the season and scoring, I don't know, less than 10 points on poor shooting percentages, you're going to see the offense struggle and you're going to see the Kings start struggling because of it. He plays such an important role, although kind of like a quiet role. He's never like flashy or anything. He kind of like goes unnoticed, but you're going to start noticing a lot more when he starts going into the slump. So it is important that he gets his rest and Monte McNair should be looking for a backup three for him, especially with a team on pace to make the playoffs like they are this year. He cannot go into the postseason with the tired Harrison Barnes. That's the last thing you want. The Kings right now are kind of trying to fill that backup role with Casey Akpala and like Terrence Davis and other combinations of three guard lineups and things like that, which maybe work for certain portions, but you're still seeing Harrison Barnes having to play a heavy load. Like you can't leave him off the floor too much. It seems Um, I know that when the bench started playing well again, about a week or two ago, Mike Brown said that he started playing Harrison Barnes a little bit more with the bench guys or having a little more overlap there. It's saying there was a little more positive benefit for the guys coming off the bench, having him out there. So there's that element of like, there's just a lot of that's required of him in terms of being a steady presence. So for whatever you get out of Casey Akpal and you get good defense and you've seen him kind of know his role and fit in on the floor lately, and he deserves all the praise for that. But, you know, is he a two-way reliable backup that you can have a steady presence from off the bench? Like not right now. And is Terrence Davis that physically? No. And, you know, he's not always the most reliable score off the bench, especially if his minutes are spotty and he can't be in a rhythm. That's kind of tough for him. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of going based on matchups and things. And it's just, it's, I mean, you also, I guess you can't forget PJ Dozier. I mean, his 10 day contract is coming to an end in a couple of days, but I would imagine he'd probably get picked up for another one for, to kind of continue to look at him. Maybe they've, find gold there uh, along the perimeter or something like that. But it's just, it seems like they have to go out and get something. But then again, there it's like, I don't know. I haven't really heard a lot of good ideas. I guess the one idea from us would be a guy like Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte, who's a pretty decent two-way option, very good disruptive defender, great long physical profile at six, nine with like a seven foot wingspan, I think. But He's going in, into a contract year, and that kind of seems like that contradicts. You're not going to trade a trade a guy that's, you know. I mean, this is a guy that is mostly going to look at being a prominent role player off the bench, probably for his career. Maybe a starter, not like a, a primary scorer or anything like that. But you know, this guy is going to want to get his money. You, 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 this it feels like he'd be a pretty big risk to slip away from you in free agency. Um, it kind of seems like the antithesis of the overall goal of my Monty McNair. So I don't know. And also it's like, what are you giving up for that? It's just it's a lot of questions. And, and it just seems like maybe that's why the backup wing doesn't get as much talking about as the backup five. It's just because there just seems like there's not so many realistic solutions. Is that a fair assessment? It's very fair. And I think what's most important in any trade scenario is what the Kings have to give up realistically 
And realistically, the Kings have two trades max, in my opinion, like one decent and one like minor guy. So if you want a good backup, you want a decent backup center, then you're not going to get a good backup wing. If you want a good backup wing, you're not going to get get a good backup center. Because, I mean, like I said, the Kings are a playoff team right now. You want to keep that core intact. And yeah, you can get rid of some guys who are going to be uh, free agents next year. But that also includes a guy like Trey Lyles. Are you are you okay giving up Trey Lyles, an important piece off your bench right now, if you are trying to make the playoffs? Terrence Davis, I see a little more expendable than Trey Lyles at the moment. He's going to be a free agent next year. And then you have guys like Alex Len, who I don't know what you're really <laughs> going to get back for Alex Len, other than, okay, we need to drop $2 million to get this guy here at Take Len. And then, of course, of course, Rashawn Holmes, who isn't a free agent next year, but is obviously has to be, or I think a report came out that he is available in trades. Um, and he's making $11 million a year, two more years left on this contract. Um, but again, he's having a very down year for a guy making $11 million a year. So it might be hard to move him. Um, so who knows what you can get back for Holmes. You might get back worse than what you would hope for Holmes like a year or two ago. And then you have second round draft picks because you can't trade your first because that's uh, it was included in the Kevin Herter deal. So, I mean, so between Trey Lyles, potentially, right? I'd say Trey Lyles is almost kind of off limits at this point with the way he's been playing. So between Terrence Davis, Alex Lynn, and maybe Rashawn Holmes and a couple second rounders, I mean, what can you really get back for that? That's why I'm like two two trades max. Yeah. And maybe maybe you can squeeze in for like a multi team trade. But I think you really have to put your cards in either the backup five or the backup three. And obviously I think the backup five is a little more uh it's a little There's more necessary big... at this point. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important to point out is that, you know, because we were just laid out that the backup wing essentially is kind of done by committee uh, it's done based on matchups it's kind of in a way i mean it's chemezi metu's the backup five but you have different combinations of guys around him um mike brown has described kind of having to he's been asking casey akpala to guard point guards so that when the opposing team runs a pick and roll Akpala will end up on a big guy. So you don't have a small guy on a big guy. You still have a lengthy, pretty decent sized guy on him. Kind of working with switchability in that second unit. He's like adjusting things to it. So in a way, that's kind of being done with the the tools and the pieces that they have. They're kind of throwing something together. So I think my, my overall point here is by fixing either the backup five or the backup three, uh, because they're both kind of done by committee or by matchups, it kind of helps the other one. Like if you get a steady presence at the backup three, that's going to kind of indirectly help your overall second unit, which helps your backup five and vice versa. Kind of sticking to the idea that the backup five is probably more a a glaring hole just because it went from being this high hoped thing where it's like, oh, Rashawn Holmes is going to be the guy. And then that's just a massive flop. And then you're kind of just bouncing from guy to guy, not really settling on anyone. And we were talking about giving Harrison Barnes, you know, necessary relief. You also got to give necessary relief to Sabonis too. And it was like, 
Chimezi Metu's played pretty decently over the last week, but I think it was that second Houston game where they had the little altercation at the beginning of the fourth quarter or the end of the third. I can't remember, but that was like a 10, 11 minute delay. And that did a better job of giving rest to Sabonis than Chimezi Metu did. So, <laughs> you know, just pick so, a fight every game. I think that happened. Something similar happened earlier in the season where they were like assessing a foul to see if it was a flagrant. It just took a long time. It was just like, okay, well, go back out there, Domas. <laughs> yeah. Go, go play the entirety of the fourth quarter, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's great. But yeah, the, the backup five does seem like the thing that they can get an outside option to. Uh, obviously, I think Mason Plumley is kind of the guy that I would say is maybe kind of the front runner if you want to use that kind of terminology. Plumley kind of seems realistic. Uh, I think some Hornets people over at uh, what is it? <laughs> Hornets something. <laughs> I don't even remember. Hornets um, man, what is it? It was like a part of SI sportsillustrated.com Hornets um Oh, God, I want to say the hornet's nest, but it's not. We really, we're not doing really, any justice in hyping them up. Or let me just look it up. Um, this is all hornets. They're called all hornets on si.com. Oh. And so they propose a trade um, with the Kings and Plumley, or the Kings and the Hornets, with the main focus on Mason. <laughs> like Miles or Mason, Mason Plumley going to the Kings in exchange for Terrence Davis. Um, Alex Lynn and two second round picks while the Kings would be giving or and then the Kings would be getting Plumlee and another second round pick via Boston, I believe. So like nothing crazy, but Plumlee is he he could be a solid backup five because he can rebound well, um, decent defender, and he's also a good passer. And yeah. obviously that's what Sabonis does well. So he could be plugged into Mike Brown's system fairly decently and be able to maybe run the offense through a center off the bench, um, kind of like what Sabonis is doing. So that's why Plumlee makes a lot of sense for the Kings, um, and he seems like an obtainable acquisition at this point. Charlotte's trying to get rid of him. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why. I think he's having a pretty good year. I, they wanted a gear towards the future. They wanted a younger center. Okay. But I think Mark Williams had a big game a couple of like a couple weeks, oh, yeah, a couple yeah. of big games, and he seemed like a more of a project. Maybe I don't know. He seems like he's playing well. I don't know if he was hurt or something. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but because the Charlotte thing was what are we always talking about. Maybe Holmes going to, but sticking to Plumley, Plumley would be like you laid out there. He would be kind of like when we were when the rumors about Demarcus Cousins, not even rumors, but just the the idea of DeMarcus Cousins coming to be a backup center in Sacramento, there was some merit to it. Cause it's like, okay, in terms of like a center that can kind of handle the ball and pass and do all these other things. It's like, that is a similar pro player profile, I guess, to, to what Sabonis does on the floor. I mean, obviously not to the same degree, but it, it at least kind of mirrors it. Um, and Plumlee's probably better. I mean, you know where you're getting, this guy's played, all year he's a smart player knows what he's doing not to say other guys aren't but he'd be getting a, a solid reliable option which would do so much for the whole bench and the whole team but because he plays kind of like um sabonis does that because i guess i should preface this by saying 
that the one thing Mike Brown has always said about Chemezi Metu, and I'm willing to admit that he's just talking up his guys because it's what he has <laughs> now and that he's not necessarily ruling out that he doesn't think that this can be upgraded. But there's a good, there's a possibility um, that Mike Brown would be like, no, I think, I think um, I like having a different look. I like giving those teams that different look, which is what he says all the time about Matt two being out there as the backup five. Cause that's the only thing he can say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, okay. That's, that's, fair. that's sorry. fair. I, that's I can't even let you go on. No, <laughs> you are way better off with Plumlee than Matt two, but Mike Brown's just full of shit and he knows he is, but he has to talk up his guy, give him some confidence, not seem like there's a glaring hole and that sent the backup center. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, he he provides like a yeah you know, a different look. Like yeah, no shit because he's way worse than Sabonis. Like that's a different look, isn't it? Yeah, um, I was I was gonna now I'll transfer to the other side of the coin that I was gonna okay. go. Sorry, <laughs> no, you're right. I'm glad that you stopped me. I'm glad that I didn't have to go through with that. But you, um, don't, you don't need to because uh, you can see I was kind of tiptoeing through it. I'm like, I know he might, you know, I know it's probably possible that he's just talking <laughs> yeah. up his guy. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he's coming in, you're like, yes. But, you know, also, I cited these comments earlier. I think it was after Sunday's game. He's talking about how he had to essentially drop a different defensive philosophy where they're doing more switches, where the center switches on to guys, which they don't do with Sabonis. And you you, that it seems actually highly beneficial that they'd be able to have a center that they could play the exact same way with. Plumlee's going to come in and he's going to replicate what Sabonis does very well as a backup. And also just in terms of that like facilitating thing, it won't be as good again, but you could see him having good two-man games with, with guys off the bench or even starters. And it just seems like you get him in there for a couple of games and things will just start rolling. It'll be a pretty seamless fit, relatively so, for a midseason trade. And, yeah, I don't know. Plumlee just makes too much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think Mike Brown is – I don't think he's got all the chips in the middle of the table on Chemezi Met too. <laughs> no, you would hope not. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think Mike Brown's – too competent of a coach to actually have all his chips on Matthew again, probably just talking up his guy. So yeah, I, I think Plumlee, this could just be a one year rent or half a season rental um, might be a little hard to sign him in the off season, but going back to my point, the Kings are a playoff team and they need to make acquisitions at the trade deadline to improve their roster. And, like we said, either between the three and the five, the five seems makes a little more sense. Um, not saying that the three isn't a need, a backup three isn't a need right now, but it seems like there's more backup fives available and ones that are more attainable. I, I just on Damian Jones for a second, because um, please, I, I keep uh, I, I'm always going to push push Damian Jones, and I think you're with me there, even if he's not. Getting any, if, even if he's not impressing people in Los Angeles, even if uh, he's kind of fallen out of favor with Darvin Ham, you know, because uh, he kind of, I think he started the first preseason game. It was against the Kings. You know, he was given ample opportunity to kind of like be that rotational guy. Now, I don't think he was ever going to start. I think they were going to always have Davis be their five. But I think he kind of had first go at maybe being the backup five. And I think he had minutes in the first couple of games, then fell off. 
Davis gets hurt. He plays like four of the first five games after Davis is hurt. Hasn't played since. When you read about, you go to like Lakers Reddit, which I mean like <laughs> you go to any team's Reddit, there's a lot of shitty people out there. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But you go on there, you read some blogs or analysts uh, about the Lakers and just like, what the heck are they doing? Why did, why do they bring this guy in? Like, who is this guy? Which makes you feel kind of bad because we saw him and he was a very valuable piece. It's like, no, this yeah. guy's legit. Well, they're talking about him like we talk about Metu. It's just like, <laughs> like, oh man, like what is this guy doing? Like, oh, it's rough. Um, but they brought in, you know, th- they had a 10 day contract for a guy. I think it was Shannon Brown's brother, actually, the Lakers. His name's Sterling Brown. <laughs> That's um, Shannon Brown's brother. Yeah, he's like 10 years younger than Shannon Brown. Dang, um, I forgot about Shannon Brown. Last from the past. I know. Seriously. It's funny. It's just like a, your career will just become so – it becomes so, so notable if you play for the Lakers and go to a couple finals. Right. Um, but they didn't look like they were going to offer him another 10-day contract. It expired on Sunday. And also on Sunday, they brought in Myers, Myers Leonard. Mm. Um and DeMarcus Cousins yeah. in for a workout. And Darvin Ham didn't like, obviously, he's just like, we take the opportunity to kick the tires on anybody, which you kind of hear that from any coach or general manager. Like, yeah, we're just you know kicking the tires on them. Um, but it just doesn't seem like 100% promising. I mean, neither have really been signed up until uh, right now. And I think that roster spot is still open. But the point is, is they're, they're looking. I mean, Davis is maybe, I think, set to come back in the first couple of weeks of February. I know I think a couple about a week ago they said that he was going to come back at the end of January, but it seems like it's going to be the beginning of February. And it seems like they're looking at potential options. I know Thomas Bryant's playing pretty well, but I guess you have Winnie and Gabriel as your backup center, which would probably be better than anything that Kings have. But um <laughs> uh, it's like I think they're they're looking for more help there and you know, that kind of also just points to the idea that I don't think they view Damian Jones as a prized possession over there, obviously. And like, I don't know if you're just going to be able to make a trade with the Lakers to get Damian Jones. You can't just be like, hey, here's a second round or you just give us Damian Jones or something. Like, I don't know if that's just going to happen. It'd probably have to be something where he lands in your lap in a bigger deal. You get involved in a multi-team deal or something. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't know. Maybe and maybe I'm just a Damian Jones fanatic. Because Kings fans would be justified in being like, no, the guy sucks this year. Like, why would we want him? Like, But he was basically doing the backup center job and then kind of did what you don't want to happen. But your backup center becomes your starting center. It didn't really matter. The Kings weren't playing for anything. Um, and he played really well in both instances. And you, you get a guy that's making like $2.3 million a year, just kind of fill him in, sign through next season. It seems like is it is that just too good of a story? Am I just drawing that up or no? I mean, it's just worth a shot at this point. I, I get it. Damian Jones isn't having the best year. He had a good end of the season last year and kind of just a solid season last year on the Kings in general. Um, so that that was promising in itself. Uh, maybe bring him back to the organization where he kind of found his footing in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question would be: you'd probably want to see if you could get Plumlee first. Because even if yeah. Damian Jones is a guy that potentially could be like your backup center like next year as well, and maybe even down the road. Um, whereas Plumley, you're probably you're getting him for 
maybe even just a half a season rental. That that's not out of the realm of possibility. But maybe you re-sign him. Um, but he's kind of up there in age. I still think you're just more sure about Pumley. You probably still want Pumley first over Jones. Or maybe Jones is kind of a priority. <laughs> maybe not a priority. I don't want to say that. Now that just sounds silly because it just seems so obvious that you'd want Pumley. Yeah, Pl- Plumley's a priority. As, as big as fanboys we are of Damian Jones, um, Plumley just fits the system better, and he's showing that he can still be a productive NBA player this year. I mean, I, he's averaging pretty close to double-double. So he can obviously score, he can pass, and he can rebound. Guy off the bench that mimics Sabonis' game, like he is should be your number one priority come this trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep talking about Damian Jones. <laughs> you know, into the off season, I'll just be like, "That's your priority right there." <laughs> I don't care if you have to give the Lakers Malik Monk back. Just get Damian <laughs> Jones. Just give him some bonus. <laughs> Jones we don't need a down. backup five if we can just start him at the five. Remember, Sabonis went down. Jones started eight games. He's pretty good. It's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> We're talking about Sabonis, player of the week, averaging a triple-double. And, you know, we heard some MVP chants when he goes to the free throw line now and then. And he was on NBA Today yesterday with De'Aaron Fox. And Malika Andrews asked, you know, she kind of asked both of them. It's like, well, is like the MVP talk going to start ramping up for Sabonis? And Fox was like, you know what? Like the way if we keep winning the way he's been playing, like, you know, he should be in those talks. And, I mean, Sabonis has just been so, he's been so critical to this team, right? Um, He's going to help break a 16-year playoff drought with one of the best offenses in the NBA. Do you think Sabonis is worthy of being in MVP talks? Absolutely, 100%. Being part of that conversation, he deserves to be there. I think we say some variation of it every week that, it's like if you feel very fortunate watching him because it's just it's very special. It's like, oh man, this guy really plays the game expertly, and what he's doing for this team. I mean, you just see it. He just he's everything to this team, and um, I don't want to say that I they expected the Kings to be fourth in the Western Conference in mid January, but like when the Kings got Sabonis and just seeing that preview of Sabonis in what like fifteen games last season, and then seeing them like add other guys. And get like a foundation in the coaching staff and whatnot. It just was like, holy hell, man. It just seemed, this seemed possible. That's for sure. I guess is what I'm trying to say. All of this seemed possible. And none of it happens without Sabonis. He plays the game so beautifully. He fills up the stat sheet. He's, you know, one of my favorite players forever, especially when he first kind of rose to prominence was Draymond Green because he did everything. It's like Domas Sabonis is that times 10. Like Sabonis' offense is, I mean, so good. And like maybe he's not as good of a defender as Draymond Green, but Domas is such a good defender. He's a terrific defender. He's such a fundamentally sound and smart guy that puts himself in the right position, just defends and makes things as difficult as possible for defenders. And a lot of the times when he gets into foul trouble these days, I'm just like, whatever. Like, he did a pretty good job defending there. You know, like, credit to the other team for just going after him. He just mm-hmm. he, he gets better at some of the things. And I guess, like, in all of that, 
you know, he could go on and on in terms of his passing and his uh, offensive ability and stuff like that. It's just like, of course he belongs in that. I mean, you're talking about the two guys that are essentially MVP finalists, you know, jo- uh, Jokic and uh, uh, Embiid. Yeah. Oh, and Embiid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they are just such dynamic players, and it's like, Sabonis is equally as dynamic and equally as impactful. But will he win the MVP? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. No, he's not, not like even... Jokic in the league. So. No. Jeez. No. Like those guys, those guys, the what they do, I mean, like it's if Sabonis was dropping twenty five a game and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. If he scored a little more, I get I mean eighteen a game, it's really good, but I mean but you see him. He's like a running quarterback in a way because it's just like he just goes through his reads and then it's like if there's nothing and he's got a lane, something opens up in the pocket, <laughs> he just takes it. And he's it's in a, in a sense like where you have like maybe like a Lamar Jackson or something like that where he's so quick he could pop off or like a Jalen Hurts or something like that. He's kind of like that in the sense that he's just so skilled and he's so powerful down there that, oh my goodness, like – each of those, he he can he he goes through his reads and then he can just create a read. Basically, it's it's incredible. Exactly, he's him I mean, and he runs the offense in this team, and the Kings aren't in the fourth seed without him, and they're not they don't have one of the best offenses in the NBA without him. He is the Kings' most valuable player by far, and um, you know that alone, considering what the Kings are doing this year, puts him in the. Uh, league-wide most valuable player award for sure like you said will he win it no uh and it, it really will come down to scoring he needs to if he wants to be in that legit mvp talk he's gonna have to start um scoring at least like 23 plus but i mean he's done a lot this year he's leading the league in rebounds he's leading the league in double doubles right he gets he's almost putting up a triple double every night right so he does have like you know those things to his name but it's, it's it's kind of surprising the Kings lead the league in scoring. He's their second best scorer, and he's only scoring like eighteen a game. You think he'd be up there a little higher, but nothing yeah. against them. And it's not, that's not his game. I get it. He is a pass first guy, um, and I'm not complaining about it. But you you know how the league works, and until he really puts up eye popping points per game numbers, it's going to be hard for him to be a really serious candidate. In that MVP discussion, but I, he still deserves to be in it, and rightfully so. I think he'd get a lot of he'd get a big boost if Mark Jones did say, "Somebody call Domas's wife. He's flirting with a triple double again." <laughs> I just want him to say that so bad. I'm gonna just, I just, oh man, <laughs> he'd win a lot of points if he said that. He'd win a lot of points with me. I'm like, all right, he's gonna manifest it. He's gonna say it tonight. If you're listening to this, just snip this and just try to send that to to mark jones we need no credit he just needs to say that it's Mm -hmm. for the betterment of humanity yeah we need this yes it's funny we're talking so uh fondly of demontis sabonis i mean it's not funny i mean it's so obvious no you said it's funny why is it funny it's it's just it's fine it's just it's a funny name demontis sabonis (laughs) (laughs) it cracks me up but we've known that demontis sabonis was a player worth acquiring that he can really change the path of uh your organization for the better and that he's done he's made such a huge impact in the shift there's a lot of other factors obviously 
but he's one of the prominent ones. And that was not something that everybody kind of saw. That was not the popular uh, narrative, if you will, as the trade went down last February. And it, it, just keeping that in mind, it was just it was a little funny to see JJ Reddick put out a video from his podcast with the title, We Need to Start Talking About the Sacramento Kings, which was <laughs> nice, which was nice because it's like, yeah, no, he was, he was very yet the Kings are very good, very good, J.J. Redick, astute observation. But quite frankly, you were talking about the Sacramento Kings, J.J. Redick. You were talking about them last year. You were talking about them like they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like they made a huge mistake, like a blunder that's just going to go down in the in the chronicles of history is one of the silliest things ever. So he was so sure about it, wearing a smug look on his face the whole time. And now he wants to talk about the Sacramento Kings. It's like you were talking about them, my man were it's just kind of weird it's strange um i wonder if tyrese halliburton gave him the okay to finally start talking about the kings because like <laughs> that's what he's operating on <sighs> yeah screw jj reddick yeah they, they just keep just keep the king's name out of your mouth at this point like don't try to like reverse you know whatever you had to say or yeah i just you you said what you said and now that like, you lost your privilege to talk about us i don't care if it's good i don't care if it's bad like just shut up like don't act like we like yeah exactly what you said he made it seem like the king's traded like <laughs> i don't know for like a tyrese halliburton for like a retired timothy mozgov it's like do they not know he has he's not even in the <laughs> league anymore it's just like it's like no we traded for a two-time all-star you know, and we—it's like we—we we had deer and fox too, and I, uh, like, uh, man, I can't even speak. It's just so frustrating. So, yeah, like, of course, people should be talking about the kings, and everyone already is talking about the kings. All right, JJ, like, we're already <laughs> we're already getting our media attention this year. We don't want it to come from you. Just keep, just keep, just keep our names out of your mouth. Our name is Cap City Crown. That's right. <laughs> He's just quoting us. <laughs> But yeah, screw JJ Reddick. We don't we don't want to hear it from you, whether it's yeah, good or not. And quite frankly, JJ Reddick is more like an embodiment of the whole kind of national NBA media. It's just it's all dumb. And aside from like Mark Spears going on NBA Today and like talking up the Kings, it's just like everybody just took an opportunity. I mean, especially after that trade, uh, it was like. Jalen Rose and the other guy were talking about it being malpractice and whether the league should like investigate the trade. I think that this is the point is like, and you're kind of making the point too. It's just like, it's like, this is why you shouldn't listen to these people. These people are just talking out of their ass um, and they do it for a living and it's unfortunate. And uh, it's like that. It's like, again, it's not just JJ Reddick. It's just, it's, and it's not just the NBA media. It's the whole sports media, national sports media, like the Colin Cowherds of the world or the Skip Bayless. Uh, it's just like Skip Bayless posted something really stupid on Twitter. I think he said something he'd take uh, Pollard over McCaffrey because the Cowboys and the 49ers are playing. And it's just like, dude, you're just saying that because you know you're going to – like that's a, that's a smart asshole right there. He just knows he's going to get terrible reactions just by saying a terrible take. So it's like these people are not even saying anything worth listening to. They're just playing on emotions and clout. And at the end of the day, it's sports. And it's just like these people are revving people's emotions up about something that's pretty low stakes. 
And it's just like, just clowns like J.J. Redick just piss me off. But the league recognition is fair. And it's coming around, as you were kind of alluded to this earlier. And, you know, we talk a lot about whether De'Aaron Fox will be able to make the all-star team. He's, it, at this point, we'll see. It'd be great if he did. I mean, you're fourth in the West. It'd be pretty fair to have two all-stars. And it seems right. But uh, one thing is for certain, Darren Fox is atop the leaderboard, or the ladder, I think is what you called it. The ladder. Yeah, the yeah. clutch player ladder. He's the top of it. The The league has a new award at the end of the season called the Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year Award. Um, and so the NBA just released their first ranking of this award, calling it the Clutch Player Ladder. And Darren Fox sits number one. And I mean, rightfully so. He's leading the league in clutch field goal percentage. I think he's second in clutch points, but first in clutch buckets. (laughs) I think like the actual like total baskets made. Um, And like I said, just like rightfully so. He's been so good in the fourth quarter this year. And I mean, that's not everything in clutch, right? Clutch is the last... What is it? What's clutch exactly? Five minutes left in I the game or OT yeah. with like a five point game or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, Darren Fox, he's kind of just been a clutch player his whole career, really. I think in the, I think in his first, I think his rookie year, he had like four game winning shots. So he's, he's done it his whole career. And so it's not surprising to see him continue that trend, but he's definitely taking it to a whole new level this year. He's just, he's been, so good in the clutch, so good in the fourth. So it is kind of nice to see that award be made this year because, I mean, he's obviously leading it, and the NBA sees that as well. Very beneficial for a guy like Darren Fox to have an award like this to win because I don't think they're going to make speediest player of the year anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, right. Um, but this will be really you get an, you get some NBA hardware. You know, at the end of the day, it's like by adding another award. It might just be to help guys get recognition. It's kind of a promotional thing. But indirectly, I think Darren Fox could really use that. He doesn't – it seems like he's a guy that probably could get a lot of recognition by doing other things. I mean, he's a very talented player, um, but it doesn't seem like something that he chooses to do. So this is a nice way for him to get kind of recognition just by kind of earning an award. But I, it seems like he'll probably – it seems like he technically probably – I would assume – have been on top of this ladder, as we call it, the whole season. And I don't really see how that will change, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I mean that that that's what makes Fox so great, is just that being that killer. And he's done that pretty consistently and as the Kings have needed it. I mean, aside from, you know, losing to Atlanta and Los Angeles in that first week of January. He's helped seal the deal for the most part and continues to do it. When did he drop 22 in the fourth quarter? It was against, it was that second game against the Jazz. Not the one where Herder hit that three, but the one where they were actually in Utah, in Utah and Ke- or not Kelly Olenek, uh, Lori Markinen almost uh, <laughs> hit that three to win it. Um, and so, yeah, he had that 22.4 where he hit the game winner right before Markinen almost hit the game winner. And then even against the Lakers, um, what was that, last week, right? Right before the Magic game. He scored like, 
I, I don't know. He had a really big fourth quarter then too. So he, he's always, he's been turning it up in that fourth. That's like definitely his best quarter. And um, he's not afraid of the clutch. Really, he's not afraid of the spotlight. That dude. I don't know. I feel like sometimes he just cannot hit his mid range shot. But like when when the fourth quarter comes around and when he needs to start making those shots, he just like on that elbow, he just can't miss. He's such right. a nice shotter. Like, like that turnaround, it's tough turnaround. He's just like automatic in that when it matters. And 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 I know Fox isn't consistent, but I feel like he's not really that inconsistent in the fourth. Like when he need when you need that shot made, like he's gonna make it and he's gonna get it for you. So it's nice to have like like a legit killer on our team now. Like I think Sabonis was talking about it too. It's like, dude, I think this is your fourth quarter. Like if you need me, like let me know. I'll get in it, but you take the reins. He said something along those lines and I mean, that's exactly how it is. Sabonis is our best player, but Fox uh, Fox is your closer at the end of the game, right? And that's not equally as important, but it's a very nice piece to have on your team. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about, like, man, should they think about changing the rotation to let him kind of get hot early? And it's just like what he's done all season, but mostly of late it appears he's just totally mopping it up in the fourth just takes complete control and we were spent so much time talking about the depth and just how all the working parts work together it's just like that's just when it's working optimally you know it's just uh darren fox fucking cleaning it up and it's performances like that even if it doesn't seal the deal always that's usually just because of the defense even when you're giving up 136 points to the lakers Man, you score, you lose by two points in that game. You're in it, especially in the fourth quarter, because of Fox and that just leader of the pack mentality. He's he's special. He he definitely, you know, talking about Sabonis being in the MVP conversation, that would really be uh, a good recognition uh, for him. Fox get a nice clutch award, maybe get an All Star nod, which I think would be just you know he deserves. I think that would be. Really a big boost for Darren Fox, and I think he's earned it. He's been terrific. Yeah, I think so too. And he's got he's got about a little less than a month until that All Star game. I, I forget when they actually announce the All Star teams. I'm assuming a couple, like a week or two before. Um, I don't know. He, I feel like he's right on the border now, especially with the Kings on this four game winning streak in fourth. And they've been kind of been around fourth in the West for a minute now, but um. He has definitely been playing better and that kind of like that that slump he went that's kind of like far enough away where you're kind of forgetting about it and he's been playing well enough where it's like okay uh, like you obviously Sabonis is an all-star no question but it's like okay like fourth team in the west the guy scoring over 24 a game like uh, like let the kings have their other all-star so but nonetheless yeah it is nice that at least an awards created work Fox can get some hardware, some NBA hardware uh, in his trophy case. And yeah, NBA NBA All-Star starters are announced on the 26th of this month, and then the reserves are announced on the 2nd of February. Okay, so he really doesn't have much time. He's got like two weeks. It all starts, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get all to start work. tonight, but I mean, again, big game against the Lakers tonight, so maybe... I want to see another a couple thirty pieces out of De'Aaron. I feel like he I mean, he can get there every now and then, but I want like a nice streak, like a nice like three or four game thirty point streak from him. And you know it's in him. We've seen him do it in the past, so 
be awesome to see him get back on that type of level. But again, they haven't really needed him like that the last couple of games. They've also been playing weaker teams and more blowouty games, I guess, even though they've kind of been close, but usually they handle it by the end of the game. So let's see. Let's see if you can let's see with the two weeks left until the reserves are announced, because he's probably not going to be a starter. Um, let's see. Let's see if he can, uh, can really make that case to get that reserve. Yeah. Um, you mentioned one thing that I want to note because um, the Kings did play for, you know, they went four and against four very poor teams record wise. And they play a couple more teams. You know, the Lakers beat them last time, but they're under 500. They play OKC on Friday, but then they go back to back to Philadelphia. Uh, well, not to Philadelphia. They're, they're home for the back to back. They play Philadelphia. Then they play Memphis. Then they'll have Toronto at home. That's Toronto's really declining in terms of they're far away from 500 now. Um, Minnesota, I, I think Minnesota's at a, they've been playing well. I think they've won like seven of the last 10. They're somewhere around, maybe I'm wrong about that, but they, they've won a good stretch of games recently. I don't know if they're 500 right now. But when they play Minnesota, they're playing in Minnesota, and it starts a stretch of games where I think they play like three home games total while they play like, I think, I don't know, I could count it out here, but like 11 or 12 away games. Um, and of course, the All-Star break is sandwiched in there. But we were talking, you know, at the end of December that the Kings had a pretty important stretch coming up against kind of sub-500 teams. You know, seeing that they hopefully take care of business in the next couple of games, they will have done a pretty decent job in that stretch aside from some of those tough losses, but pretty decent. But then they're going to be coming up on a pretty tough stretch in terms of being on the road a lot. And then you're just going to have a lot of tough opponents at the end of the season too. So this is kind of a big stretch coming up. So just keeping that in mind as uh, the all-star break and the trade deadline start coming up, the competition is going to be really revving up. So it'll be a uh, interesting time. No, you're, you're right. Interesting time. You got to win the ones you can. Uh, it's nice to see them going on a four game win streak against teams like Orlando, Houston, and San Antonio. Hopefully can extend that tonight against a Lakers team that they can easily beat. So win the ones you can and, especially in time for a road trip um, coming up just in case things get a little rough. At least you have those easy ones saved up from the past. Right. But do you, do you have anything else? I think that's it. I think that covers everything. We covered right. everything. You don't need to worry about anything else. That's it. We're done. But thank you for tuning in Lakers tonight, man. Let's hope we can beat LA. But until next time, this is Tony and John bringing you Kings talk presented by Cap City Crown. Have a good one.